welcome along to uh, the seminar this evening as we uh, think through uh, the, the vast topic, uh, smartphones and technology, uh, just to be able to, to think through how we think about that as Christians. Obviously, it touches every part of our lives, technology, where do you even start? You can start at the printing press or before that. Um, so it's, it's a vast topic, and we want to be able to know how to do that well as Christians. For this evening, uh, some resources. There's a couple of resources out in the, uh, the concourse. Uh, if you haven't picked this one up yet, please do. Uh, Raising Kids in a Screen-Saturated World. Uh, I just read it a few days ago. Fantastic little resource um, just to be able to think through and then talk about as parents uh, how you best do that. Additionally, there's also um, two other pieces. There's an article um, which has the title, Has a Smartphone Destroyed a Generation? Um, just, uh, I've got 10 copies out there in the, in the concourse on the table. Please do grab one of those. And then lastly, there's also a, a sheet called My Ideal Morning. We're talking about um, disciplines and habits. You know, how do we build those things? And that's perhaps one way to start. Uh, all these resources will be sent on email at 7.30 tonight, uh, such as technology. Uh, and so we'll, uh, you'll have all those resources other than the book, obviously, um, just so that you can look at those in time. But as we come together, let me, let me pray as we ask for the Lord's help. Uh, Father God, we thank you for uh, your good creation for all things in this world and that we would receive them as good as a gift and use them uh, for your glory. So we pray, Father, for this evening that you would help us to engage wisely with all the things that you give us, uh, that we would use them uh, for your purposes and your glory and for the good of ourselves and for others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I speak, uh, you'll obviously see some things on, on the table there. Uh, and what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to ask you just to, to draw a cross, really. So uh, if you have a, a scribe in your group, so one person, just draw that, nice and easy. And then uh, from there, I want you just to put headings of the good the bad, the best, and the worst of smartphones and technology. The good, the bad, the best, and the worst. And then discuss. I'll give you 10 minutes to write all those up, and then we'll uh, pass the mic round and then share some ideas together. Okay? Go for it. 10 minutes. Okay. You know, um, grab a... Uh, I was going to say grab a spokesperson. Don't grab a spokesperson. Just nominate one. That'll be easier. Uh, nominate a spokesperson. And uh, if you could maybe share with us uh, two things uh, from each part. And then obviously there'll be overlap. But maybe just bring some ideas to mind as we, as we go around. So maybe two things from each section. The good, the bad, the best and the worst. So. Can you have to change it? Sorry. Arrangements under the good section, meeting people. Um, and we said um, instant access to information. Um, then under best, we said um, information searching, so looking things up and having access to that kind of information. Um, and games and entertainment. Uh, under bad, we had no downtime or always contactable. 
and a shallow form of social contact. And under worst, we had uh, various things, including um, bringing out the worst in people, including gossip and slander and time-wasting. Great. Uh, over to this table. As the scribes, this is very unfair. Um, uh, so on good, we had um, like safety, or it's like in an emergency, it's um, easy to contact people. Um, and we had uh, group communication, like WhatsApp groups, e- easy to keep in touch with groups of people. Uh, bad, uh, we had uh, doom scrolling, just uh, keeping going, looking for new content. Uh, and uh, that advanced in technology can be kind of alienating for older generation who kind of get locked out of current technology. On the best, um, in addition to what I said about source of information, we had um, video calling, which is often like the next best thing when you can't see people in person for whatever reason. And then on worst, we had like inappropriate content um, and the fact that there can be, it's kind of hard to supervise or oversee. Um, like access to a smartphone, so um, it's not like you can kind of watch a computer screen, um, and addiction. So again, two things, maybe just pick two things from each section. We thought that Waze, which is sat-nav, was quite useful to have on your um, the good list. Um, for myself, I use an iPad, and I probably contact people more often than if I was writing to them. The bad, well, if the bad and the worst, we put cyberbullying, where youngsters can get bullied because they, you know, people think they're anonymous on it. Um, the bad also, which really annoys me, people doing their shopping, being served, and not stopping talking on their phone. Um, the best, you can read a Bible commentary and find out different versions and do Bible study. And the worst, you can waste your time. And we think mums walking along with phones with children in their pushchairs is very bad. Great. So for the good, we have instant communication where you can update people far and wide. So, for example, if you have a friend in Australia, you can message them very quickly. And also for safety, like if you need an ambulance, phone 999 is quick and easy. For the bad, we have, um, like you're never free from like messaging people, so you can't do other practical things. And it can also replace interactive relationships, so you can't really meet people face to face. For the best, we have, it can be good for e-learning, so if you don't have a computer, you can use your phone or iPad to do some research and learn new things. And it's good for traveling as well. Google Maps, you can use that. Um, And for the worst, it can be very addictive and it can lead to mental health issues such as anxiety. Thank you, Jaden. Over to this table. For good, we've got um, staying in contact, and I think, um, oh, well, navigation. Uh, for, for best, um, instant connection to friends and family, um, and, well, I suppose it would be a, a 
toss up between the, the Bible app and, and being able to contact emergency services. Under bad, we've got, I think, uh, it's, it's intrusive and, and time wasting. Uh, those would be the top two. Uh, under worst, uh, it's addictive and there is, uh, it, it allows and, and sort of gives access or gives other people, uh, gives criminals act, um, access to, um, to one's life, basically. Thank you. Over to this group. Uh, for the good, we've got keeping in touch with people overseas um, and then also a quick access to information for like education. And then the best, uh, immediate contact for first aid. Um, and then also maintaining community, like the church over COVID. Uh, bad, um, it's not all that information is true or good. And then it's also very invasive. And then the worst is addiction. And then what can come from cyberbullying for those at school as well. Trying to pick out some different ones. Uh, the good uh, kind of language translation has helped. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about relationships within families and friendships. Um, the bad perhaps hasn't been talked about so far as the oversharing and the, the ridiculous need for the speed of response. So when they see you've seen the message, somehow you've got to immediately respond uh, with no understanding that you might be busy or something. Um, and we also talked about the the history for job interviews and things that your whole life is there online and it causes problems as we've learned this week. Uh, the worst, like lighten the tone, cat and dog videos. <laughs> but, but more seriously, pornography, the whole AI thing coming in, misinformation. Um, the, uh, the best, assistive technology. There you go. Uh, and kind of Unlimited encyclopedia. Just great, isn't it? I read somewhere recently that with the invention of, uh, of uh, gas lighting, it allowed for the evening service to happen. So the lights in this building allows, the technology of lighting allows us to, to even be here, along with all the rest of the things as well. So it's the smallest to the biggest things, isn't it? So if you have, uh, if you have your uh, sheets there, please do. Follow along as we look at this topic together. The topic of um, smartphones and technology, as we've mentioned already, it is a vast, vast topic. It's an ocean of information. Uh, and the first, the first question I think that many people ask is this. Is it helpful or is it harmful? Helpful or harmful? For many, well, we might say, well, it helps us to get a lot more done. Uh, and yes, obviously there are risks overall, but we would probably say, well, it's, it's a helpful resource. It's a good thing. It's here to stay. We can't live like analog monks. Um, and so we might as well just embrace all of it. Well, we might as well embrace what we have. Uh, on the other side, though, uh, there might perhaps be the, the, the idea was the, the creeping doubts, really, that screens, smartphones, and tech... They are addictive, very addictive, and they are soul-sapping at times, especially for children. Uh, as there, there might be the thought that even actually there's perhaps maybe the dream that we all have, that we would just be able to throw our smartphones in the bin at times, <laughs> to chuck them away. 
that maybe there's a dream almost of life without a smartphone, without technology like this, it would be much better, that we would lead less dependent technological lives in that way. Reflecting on, on tech, Tony Reiki, who's written a few books on this, on this topic, he cites Melvin Kranzberg in his 1986 book on, on technology. And he gives this definition. Technology is neither, neither good nor bad nor neutral. Technology is neither good nor bad nor neutral. Reiki, he, he agrees wholeheartedly. As I say, he's written three books. And on his first book, you could see his, his angle pretty much of hatred of smartphones. But over time, he's actually come to this, this conclusion that the biggest issue is not technology itself, but it's how we, we think of all technology, from the printing press to the iPhone, that it must ultimately be done in light of the lordship of Jesus Christ. As we acknowledge ultimately, as we've seen recently, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And in that light, when we think of how we engage with technology, if as Christians, as, if as believers we acknowledge Jesus as Lord in all of our life, then his Lordship should reflect that in all of the things that we do. That in all of life, it is a gift, gift from God. And so technology in that light should be seen as that. Because as it says in James, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And therefore, in that light that we would see what God has given us is a gift from our Father in heaven. That all that we have is a gift from God. And as such, we would be ultimately grateful for that gift. Because all things are a gift. That it would lead us to be grateful people for what we have. It then really leads us to ask the question, well, how do we steward what God has given us? How do we steward the gifts that God has, has given us? The question of stewardship. And this is the zone in which we do battle. We do battle really with our own hearts. As Paul says in Romans 7, I do the things I don't want to do. Because we want to steward well what God has given us, what he has gifted us. And yet so often we fail in that. Because of our remaining sin, because of the temptations of the world, and because we have an enemy, the struggle to live life faithfully for Jesus is a real one. And technology just really is another piece which expresses what's already happening with us in our hearts. As we see them as gifts to be steward, then really we can ask the question, how do I glorify God with them? How does what I'm doing bring God glory? In my rest, in my leisure, when I go to sleep, when I wake up, when I go to work? Is what I'm doing, is it allowing me to enjoy God's good creation and his good gifts and bring him glory? Or am I robbing him of the glory to his name for all the things that he has given me? And so that's really where we want to begin about smartphones and technology. Is it helpful or harmful? 
And secondly, we want to think about a little bit of the history. How did we get here? How did we get here? Now, many today would just say that it makes us, technology makes us do things much faster, much better. From email to the Amazon man, we are able to connect with things and do things much quicker. But as Tony Reiki and Carl Truman both acknowledge, they, said it, they say it doesn't actually just do that. Because technology fundamentally changes our relationship to the world. Fundamentally, technology fundamentally changes our relationship to the world. We can think of many examples of that, I'm sure, as well. We think of recent examples of Dave Green going to PNG, and he can show us a picture of outside of his window as we sit on our living room sofa. Through FaceTime, WhatsApp, online connections, we can do things which previously were completely unbelievable, impossible. One of the most significant changes, which you might perhaps not think about, is that of the car, the automobile. That we're no longer people who live just in a community, in a local parish, who are dependent upon others, but actually through the invention of the car, we become consumers. We can choose where we want to go. We can choose where we want to work, where we want to worship. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. But this is really, this is the water in which we swim in today. It's the water in which we swim in in the West, whether we are Christian or not. It's the power of the individual's choice. Because technology, it changes us. It makes us less dependent upon one another as a community and far more self-sufficient, self-autonomous. No, no better is this symbolized than in the 2007 release of the iPhone. It's not our phone. It's the iPhone. It's my phone for me. And since 2007, we can see the significant effects that it's had, especially on young people. It is one of the biggest developments in technology for <laughs> I don't know how long. As uh, Professor Jean Twenge mentions in our, in our article, uh, this graph shows that since 2007, when the iPhone was released, uh, those from ages 13 to 17, uh, this is uh, statistics in the US, are socializing in person far less. It just drops off. They prefer connecting online. And we probably know that, I'm sure, from experience. Uh, since the release of the iPhone, uh, far more have been lonely. Uh, it, it promises connection, doesn't it? And yet the, the numbers of loneliness shoot up. And then from 2012, uh, Jonathan Haidt, I think it's how you say his name, picks up on this trend from the US. Uh, as in 2012, the levels of anxiety, they just skyrocket. Um, you see that in uh, Generation Z, and um, and how they have just gone through the roof, um, some by as much as 92%. 2012, significant date, because that's when social media came into being or came was widely embraced by many. Because as Carl Truman notes, technology, it hasn't just made things faster. It's fundamentally changed what it means to be a human being. And he, he speaks about four examples of that. He says... The first example is that of music. 
Historically, music, it had to be played together with other people, socializing. It was played in weddings and funerals and dances and parties. But now music is symbolic in this. Again, it is the iTunes. It's called the iTunes because it's my tunes or my playlist. Or today we really have Spotify and everything else. Again, if we fail to recognize Jesus as Lord in our life, then really the individual, I, become Lord. But praise God, actually, when we think about a redemptive way of this, we have a redemptive ministry here at LCBC, Time to Sing. Not only does it bring people together as we sing, but we're reminded, actually, that we need one another as we are embodied people. Need, we are in need of relationships, in need of others. We need to be with people. We're made for relationship. And secondly, after music, is the connection of medicine. One change in that is medicine used to be just restorative, just making things better, but now it is transformative. One example that Carl Truman mentions is the plastic surgery from World War I. People who had awful battle scars were used. It had plastic surgery as a restorative procedure. But now technology is used to, to transform our looks, either through plastic surgery, liposuction, lip fillers, all the rest. Today, really, the body is just seen as, as like raw material, that we can do what we want with it, because we are Lord of it. And that is certainly the case when we, it falls into the next section of the sexual revolution, how things have radically changed over a generation or two. And whether that is in, in casual relationships, we think of some of the worst stuff, casual relationships, uh, pornography. Uh, because the issue is not really with the technology itself, but technology supercharges our hearts. It supercharges what's already in our hearts. Because without Jesus and him as Lord, there is only sin and darkness in our hearts. As Jesus says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, and murder. But if we do recognize as believers of Jesus, as followers of him, if we recognize him as the Lord of our life, then it should completely transform how we see life, how we use our bodies. As the Apostle Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Because Jesus is the Lord, I am not. I belong to Jesus. I live for Jesus. That's really our call in, in the world in which we live in. We use our bodies for him. And the last and probably most obvious example that flows out of this is really the technology which has allowed uh, the trans movement to come. If my body has to allow with what is going on in my mind, then technology has allowed this to be made possible. Previously, if you went to the, uh, a practitioner or a medical practitioner, uh, they would have only diagnosed the mind. That was the only diagnosis possible. But now with technology, anything is possible. As technology, without acknowledging the lordship of Jesus, 
leads to a pathway of dethroning God and making ourselves the maker and creator. We are now, without Jesus, the Lord and the judge of all. And yet we are called not to live by the flesh and our desires that lead to death, but led by the spirit that leads to life and peace. That's our call as believers. As we think about smartphones and technology, those two things, helpful or harmful, how do we get here? And then thirdly, heavenly good and ungodly bad. There is so much good when it comes to to smartphones. Uh, We think of everyday lives, don't we, from from driving a a really super safe car with airbags all around us uh, to connecting with friends across the world on a video call. There's lots of good gospel opportunities that we've never had before. We can reach countries that we've never been able to reach before. You think of Iran, Afghanistan, Somalia, North Korea. We can reach them with a gospel because of the technology that we have. Maybe even those who are housebound that can see our services on a Sunday morning because of the technology that's available. Because the, really, the real issue is not the technology itself, but as Jesus says, it is our hearts. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The smartphone is an extension of ourselves. And it's for that reason that Tony Reiki in his book, 12 Ways the Phone is Changing Us, he says he's not pro nor anti-smartphone. But it is that the smartphone projects what we really want as we function out of what is going on in our hearts. As he says, yes, well, obviously there's the the well-known, there's a dopamine hit and there's the neurological connections. But fundamentally, it's our hearts that drive us. And those things uh, are used by big tech companies and their algorithms to supercharge what's already in our hearts, what's already going on in our desires. Yes, there's obviously uh, lots of good, but there is also the ungodly uh, dark side. And in our, in our article, Jean, Jean Twenge, she says that for those using screens more often, there is a direct link between loneliness, dislocation, anxiety, and depression. That's especially true amongst young people because of the effect on mental health. You hear about it all the time. And perhaps some people thought, well, maybe it's just a lockdown thing. But actually, it's been around far more, far longer than that. The statistics um, here are that boys' levels of depression um, rose between 2012 to 2015 by 21%, and young girls' levels of anxiety rose by 50%. Instagram was noted to be actually one of the most harmful things for young women, especially with the elements of uh, body image, uh, connected therefore to anxiety, depression, self-harm, and other things. The other thing which is perhaps not really thought about much is the element of sleep deprivation. Young people often don't sleep as much as they, as they should because they're on their screens either first, last thing at night or first thing in the morning. And lastly, Jean speaks about it makes young people less resilient. makes them less resilient because they're always on their phones. They're not engaging with people in person. And so it makes them unable to deal with challenges and actually seek out independence as well. No, later, later then. Twenge notes that it's also meant that social skills have, have not developed really as they, as they should. 
uh, meaning that they struggle to develop in maturity as you otherwise might hope. These are some of the challenges facing uh, young people. However, as we think about ourselves, perhaps as adults, um, there are also challenges for ourselves with smartphones and especially with social media. Uh, in a, a short video by a guy called Regan Rose, who is a, a Christian, uh, just thinking through productivity from a Christian perspective, he, he talks about uh, five different ways in which uh, social media has affected him. And in fact, he's actually stopped using social media despite the fact that his ministry is online. <laughs> I don't know how he makes money. <laughs> but, but these are some of the things that he says, these are hindrances in light, of, uh, in light of using social media and really why he stopped using it. He says it's a hindrance to focus. It, it takes you away from what you're supposed to be doing and it breaks up what he describes as deep work. Everything then becomes uh, shallow, bitty and distracted. In fact, some of the work that you do often ends up with some errors that creep in because there's no sense of real focus in it. Uh, secondly, hindrance to joy. He speaks about really all the things that you see online and you know them well, I'm sure, that they can just overwhelm you because many of the things we have no influence over, yes, we can pray about them, but it can really affect us. And so he says, why would you embrace them and many of the things that we can't fix? Thirdly, hindrance to worship. Um, he says with the newest algorithms, if, you've, if you're online much recently, you'll find it's harder to get off your phone because the tech companies are making it much harder to do so. Uh, they're making you more addicted to it. And along with that, you have the element of idolatry, really just looking to your phone for affirmation rather than actually to the Lord. And we need to take that seriously, that idolatry is a sin. And so we need to be aware of that. Fourthly, a hindrance to, to worship is a temptation sorry, a hindrance to holiness, I should say. There's a temptation everywhere. And obviously we know of that in pornography. That is everywhere on the internet. But there's also the element of, of envy and slander. And so envy and covetousness, especially when you look at people's photos. Why have they got that and I don't? And so on. Especially with young people, the fear of missing out. Why have I not got that and they have? Why are they at that place and I'm not? And so on. And he says, yes, we can be self-controlled, but <laughs> why make it hard for yourself? And so he he says, well, I've just come off for that reason. And lastly, it's a, a, hindrance to, a hindrance to eternal significance. He speaks about, actually, um, on the day-to-day -day stuff, if you see in social media, there's always something happening. Um, if you go on Twitter, what was Twitter, now X, you'll see the, late, the latest things happening. And he says, actually, those things are the things which will disappear very quickly. But the eternal things are the things that matter. Uh, the media seem to set the agenda on whatever it might be, rather than actually, as Christians, we need to be thinking, uh, lifting our eyes to the things that really eternally matter. Because he says, well, it, some of these things, some of these things, they don't matter. So if, if they don't matter, then why are we looking at them? And so for that reason, he said, just quit. <laughs> In the video, he says, I give you permission. You can just stop if you want to. Uh, come off some of them or all of them. But you can do better things with the time that you have. And so it's quite a challenge there in that. Uh, so looking at smartphones and technology, uh, those first three things, helpful or harmful, how do we get here, a history, heavenly good and ungodly bad. Number four, the fourth one, helpful habits. 
because Jesus is Lord. Well, because Jesus is Lord of all and, and we have been purchased by him to live for him, then when it comes to, to smartphones and technology, how do we practically live that out? We want to, to honor him in all of our life. How do we do that? Here are 12 uh, helpful habits, which I hope uh, might be helpful just to note down and perhaps discuss, perhaps as a couple, perhaps as a family. The first one is keep sacred spaces. In the little book, uh, Raising Kids in a uh, Screen-Saturated World, um, uh, Eliza Hughes, she says, there shouldn't be any, any phones or screens in your bedrooms. Uh, try and buy an alarm clock so you don't use your phone as an alarm clock. Uh, the other thing about um, having your phone at the dinner table uh, among, among people, you want to be able to talk with one another rather than looking on your phone. Or if you're in deep conversations with people, try and keep your phone away from you. Uh, Jean uh, Twenge in, in her article says, just try and keep it away from yourself. Maybe keep it in another room so you're not tempted to, to check it. Keep sacred spaces. Uh, secondly, keep uh, clear boundaries and open phones. It means really for parents and children, uh, we want to be really crystal clear on what we expect of them. And tied to that, obviously, is the discussion of when do you give your child a smartphone? <laughs> so in, in the book, Eliza Hugh, in her book, she says, it's more a matter of, of how than, than, than when. And so how you manage that. The important thing is management. But having said that, uh, Jonathan Haidt and Jean Twenge, in, in their articles and, and videos as well, Jean, who has a child of 11, 14, and 17, or children of 11, 14, and 17, uh, she, would, she and Jonathan, so Jean and Jonathan, both researchers in this area, they say that they would give their child a flip phone up to the age of 14. And they say that, that social media, they, I think both agree that social media should, should not be accessed until 16 years old. Uh, Jonathan Haidt would favour 18, year 18 years old. And it seems quite... Oh, Oh, shock. <laughs> Seems quite extreme. But he's saying that if you want to set a new norm, actually, we need to set a, a new standard. Uh, not just do what everyone else seems to be doing and then hope for change. Both Gene and Jonathan, well, they actually they really see the damage in it. And I, th- I think that's really why they have such a high standard in how you use your phones. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a discussion for you as parents uh, that you would be able to wisely lovingly understand how to how to engage with that i would really encourage you to read that book um, and think that through together as parents uh, thirdly self-control i think we need to model it as uh, as parents model it to our children don't want to be a hypocrite in this but it's so hard isn't it to just be like on your phone and not talking to people but as it says in proverbs a person without self-control is like a, like a city with broken walls. It's a powerful image, I think, because it just leaves you open, doesn't it? Leaves you open to just all sorts. Self-control is really important, and we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives as Christians, the fruit of self-control that allows us to put our phone down, to actually control it. We control it. It doesn't control us. Fourthly, modern-day catechisms. In a, in a way, the internet, all stuff online, is starting to, what you could say, catechise us. It's starting to really form and shape us. You think of TikTok, for example, 
It's forming us quite a lot. Uh, but we need to be mindful of how we catechize uh, our children and ourselves. That may be formal things that we do with our, with our children. Or we think of uh, Nathan recently, who's produced the victory verses, that we would be people who are uh, thinking about dwelling on Scripture, memorizing it with one another as a family, seeking to really uh, grow in that together. Fifthly, I guess tied to that bookend our, our days with God, that he is the first and the last, that he shapes our life, the start and the end, that we don't check our phone first or our phone last, <laughs> but we, we check with God first and God last, really. Number six uh, is read church history. Uh, I think for, for many of us, perhaps, uh, there can be a tendency to forget what's gone in the past, and maybe especially for adults that we would read something from the past read something about church history uh, personally i gave my groomsman this book uh, at my wedding uh, it's called the good news we almost forgot rediscovering the gospel in a 16th century catechism it's the heidelberg catechism with some reflections from kevin de young again tied to catechism but it's it's quite helpful to make you think of people from the past anything from the, the from previous to our generation is helpful as we think about uh, beyond ourselves, looking out from ourselves. Tied to that, I guess, is remember the Sabbath. Um, If Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of our lives, then we want to make worship on a Sunday a priority, as much as we possibly can, as much as it's within our power. We want to make the Lord's Day the best day of the week, that we would, as, as adults, that we would model that to our children and lead them in the Lord as we put Christ first Eighth, uh, an eternal perspective. Keep looking to things that are eternal and don't let the everyday TikTok, Facebook, Twitter and everything else drag us down. But we want to look to the eternal focus. We want to have a focus on Christ. Ninth, identity in Christ. We know who we are in Christ and we want to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. We are new, free, loved, secure in Christ. That we need not seek that affirmation from those online, maybe Facebook and the rest. Does he like my thing? Do they not? Have they followed me? Do they not? Do they... Who cares? Jesus loves you. You're in Christ. Your identity is in him. That's the most important thing. Tenth, share life in person. That is a huge thing. As much as we possibly can, do stuff together with people. We are embodied people. So let us do that together as much as we can. Share time with people. It's easy, isn't it, to just retreat. Retreat onto our phones, retreat in our houses. We want to be able to to share time together. Because we together are God's temple together. We want to be as a body together as much as possible. Uh, It's almost there. Number 11, take risks for Christ. Uh, I guess that one of the aspects is a... Is a, an aversion to any kind of risk. Uh, we see all the stuff online that just makes us fearful. Perhaps we step back from any kind of risk. And so we want to take risk, especially for the Lord. Maybe take a short-term mission trip. Maybe just step out of our comfort zone. Maybe one thing actually would be to just put our phone down and talk to the person beside us about Jesus. <laughs> that would be a, a risk for the Lord. Take risks for Christ. Be intentional in the time that we have with the relationships that we have as well. And then Number 12, deep work. If we put our phones away, 
um, sometimes I throw my phone, <laughs> throw my phone into, onto the bed and try and study in another room uh, to allow us to be undistracted from the work that we do, that we would be able to go deeper into the work that we do. And ultimately, that we want to go deeper into the word of God, that we wouldn't be people that, that skim the surface of it, but we go deep into the word and meditate on it, that we delight ourselves in the Lord and bear fruit for him that our aim in life must be to glorify God and, him, and enjoy him forever. Which brings us really to the last part. As we think about smartphones and technology, we want to have a big gospel vision. When we, when we step back from our phones and from all the tech, we can see really God's big story. We see that God has made the world and he's made all things in it. He's made a beautiful garden and filled it with his creatures and called it all good. And then he made us in his image. And he liked what he made and called it very good. He made us to enter into an eternal relationship of rest with him. To enjoy that relationship and to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. To go and fill the glorious and good garden that our God has made. And to cultivate it to tend it, to be creative in it. But really, instead of living under that good rule, we, we rejected him. We rejected his goodness, his creation. We believed the lie and instead chose to be like God, knowing good and evil for ourselves. We thought that we knew better. We sought to be the Lord and King of our own lives. And so the whole earth is, is polluted by sin, all the earth is groaning under the weight of it. And in our relationships with one another, we groan with one another in that sense. We hide from one another, not with fig leaves, but we hide from one another behind our phones and publishing media posts, social media posts that really don't paint the true picture. We hide from God in plain sight in that sense. As all of God's good garden has been polluted by our selfishness and sin, as we've been ejected from his presence. Like Facebook in that sense, we've been blocked from communicating. We've been unfriended because we unfriended God first. We unfollowed him and ran away from him. And so the rest of the story, the story of God really is that like the people of God, like us, just wandering around in the desert, lost, trying to re-enter the garden of God. Sometimes they use amazing technology to build arcs and temples. And sometimes they use it to build, arc, build calves, golden calves and idols. They, like us, have lifted their hearts up, lifted their hands up to things that they have made, rather than lifting their hearts and hands to the Lord who made all things. But wonderfully, in the gospel, God sent his son for us. He sent him on a rescue mission to us to restore his good creation, to restore the relationship with him and with one another. He comes to die in our place, to bear our sins as he's buried and put to death. On the third day, he rises again. And who do the women at the tomb mistake him for? They mistake him for the gardener. Because Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, and he is the Alpha and Omega and the cultivator of his global garden. And so now, as those who live under his lordship, 
we see that in his good global garden, he calls, calls each one of us to spread the seed of his word to those all over the world to share the good news of the gospel. That we need not perish, but have eternal life in his name, in the name of Jesus. That we would look not to ourselves, not to our phones, but to the Lord and reach everyone with the gospel. That we would live lives which are creative and cultivate all the good gifts that God has given us. That we would be expressive people for the glory of God and that his glory would go to the ends of the earth. That our prayer really would be that of Habakkuk. That the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. As we wait not to enter a new garden, but to enter a new city, the new Jerusalem. That we wait for that day, pointing everyone everywhere to the eternal life found not in our phones, but in the person of Jesus. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. We want to live lives that point to him, that bring glory to him, that the the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for uh, your good creation. We thank you for your whole global garden, that we would be people who cultivate in it under your stewardship for your glory. We pray that you would help us, Lord, uh, by the power of your spirit to lead lives that are glorifying to you, that honor you as we seek to bring you glory in everything. And so, Lord, help us as we go about our daily lives to do that well, as we seek to honor you in all things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'd like to just leave you for a few minutes just at your tables. Um, just maybe on the, on the back of your sheets, uh, there's two questions there. Uh, what is God asking me to do in light of all that I've heard? And what can I pray about? I'd just love you just to, to write some, some things down just for a few minutes. And then I guess once you're all agreed as a table, then maybe just pray. Maybe pray with the people beside you in twos and threes um, about some of the things uh, that you've heard this evening. So let me leave you do that. Ten minutes. Before we um, sing, we're going to sing just to close. Just uh, wanted to highlight some resources. As I say, because of technology, uh, these will be sent out at 7.30 tonight on your email. And so you'll have all the resources, all the links to what I'm going to send you. Uh, uh, you can see what I've, I've looked at um, online. You might not be able to read that, but let me just highlight a couple. So, uh, hey, Smartphone Addiction and, and Gen Alpha by Jonathan, how do you say his name? Height. Height. Um, he, he done, he's done a lot on this. He's written uh, some books on it and just done a lot of research as well. Uh, secondly, a book, the one which is out in the, hall, in the hallway, in the concourse, Raising Kids in a Screen-Saturated World, uh, Helpful Parents, really helpful book. It's part of a series. Podcasts, uh, I would highlight this one. Uh, technology is neither good or bad or neutral with Tony Reiki and Samuel Jones. Uh, it's a good podcast. Uh, so is the other one, actually, but the, the second one is really good. Uh, very balanced, very helpful. 
Um, John, um, Tony Reiki has uh, he's written three books on it, and um, yeah, he's done a lot of research on it. Articles to look at. Uh, has the smartphone destroyed generation? There's, there might be some copies left in the concourse out there, uh, but again, you can see that online as well. Just some, some helpful things to look at. Uh, as I say, they'll be on uh, email, so you should be able to, to look them up for yourself as well. So, let me just close with uh, Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Lord God, we thank you for your amazing love and faithfulness through the Lord Jesus Christ, that you've shown your love in abundance for us sinners who deserve nothing, but because of your sacrifice on the cross, we gain everything, that we can turn to you and praise you. And so we pray that you would help us to live lives which bring you glory in every area of our lives. And we pray that you would help us, by the power of your Spirit, help us to be people that bring you glory that we would enjoy you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.